right, everybody. Welcome back to the Green Mountain Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with Marty Griffin and John Downing. And we're going to give you a quick recap of our lives in sports this week. All right, boys. So, uh, how are you doing? Uh, <laughs> coming off Thanksgiving, it was, it was a good weekend, but I'm a little fucking stressed out today driving back from Portland, uh, Portland rain, that's more appropriate. Portland, Maine today. Ugh, the rain today was awful. Awful. Route 9 scared the shit out of me. Talk about white knuckle driving. but yeah, Just the drive over here. Just the drive. Just like the temperature change, like the fog coming off the road. Like it was just awful driving back today. They're talking like Mount Snow, higher elevations, 8 to 12 inches of snow tonight. Rain for us down here in the valley. But ugh, I hate this goddamn States. <laughs> I'm from Texas, so I hate it. Yeah. Anyway, with that said, I had a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> Ran a 5K. Hey, finished in 28 go. minutes. My fat go. ass didn't stop once. Nice. I was pretty surprised. Excellent. Good for you. Congratulations. Johnny, how was your Thanksgiving? Good. Good. It was uh, simple. Just my wife and my mother. Simple. Good. Eight leftovers for days. And now I'm back at it, ready to talk some trash. <laughs> Are we supposed to uh, throw up our number sixes for episode number six? Oh yeah, baby! Uh, I'm going with two-time Stanley Cup uh, champion Trevor Daly. Uh, acquisition from the Dallas Stars to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he's playing for the the Red Wings now, uh, but uh, he was my boy for for those years, especially uh, when Chris Letang went down. Uh, and everybody said that there's no chance in hell that the Penguins can win without their number one star. He was really, um, you know, him and Justin Schultz as well were, were our puck-moving defensemen. So my number six is uh, Trevor Daly today. All right, I like mine. I have Bill Russell. Uh, Bill Russell, uh, former Celtics basketball player, <clears throat> 11-time NBA champion, 5-time MVP, 12-time All-Star, um, but when you get when you get down to talking about players with rings, it starts and ends the conversation with Bill Russell and his eleven championship rings, um, and he's still kicking around today. He is eighty four years old this year. Um, and he still looks really good and he's still active. He goes to a lot of the Celtics games and he goes to a lot of basketball games around the league and he goes to college basketball games. I got a chance to see him uh, at uh, David Ortiz's last opening day. Um, he was part of a, uh, a whole um, line of Boston sports um, you know, figures. There, Bobby Orr was there too. Boston sports greats. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so he was also a um, two-time NCAA championship winner in 1955 and 1956 at the University of San Francisco. Uh, you don't hear much about the San Francisco team in college basketball anymore these days. And then he was also a member of the 1956 Summer Olympic basketball team. So that is Bill Russell. I'll keep it real Yeah, I'll keep it real quick. Uh, Dr. J, Sixers. All right. Can't go wrong. Silky smooth. Julius Irving, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the original high flyers, uh, you know, rim rockers. Just a, I, I think he was like one of the originals who just really kind of transit, you know, just transcended the sport as far as like power forwards in the league of how you play, like from shooting outside to 
you know, throwing it down inside and just being fast and quick and just uh, he was he was the original unstoppable player on the floor. And I'll just keep it quick with him. He was one of my favorites growing up. I loved when Larry Bird punched him. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would. Of course you would. <laughs> Uh, so, so getting getting back to Thanksgiving, I uh, want to give a, a, a huge shout, shout out and a massive thanks to Scott Griswold, uh, GMSR listener and patron uh, for providing us with some awesome uh, podcasting gear. You've probably noticed a massive jump in audio quality today. Uh, so a huge shout out and thanks to... Uh, to Papa Squat for that. <laughs> and uh, look on uh, our, our Facebook page for our uh, post, our photo post of this uh, setup. <laughs> We're still growing, but yeah, the audio first, we'll, we'll figure things out as it comes, but it's pretty funny. I, I feel like I, I'm in like my, you know, freshman year dorm room almost. <laughs> it's a fort. It's so cool. It's a fort. It's, yeah, Fortnite. it's like, Fortnite. A, <laughs> like a seven-year-old's blanket fort. <laughs> but we need a little, a little, uh, a little dampening uh, of Beer the sound. Crack. So, um, so my Thanksgiving went to Pittsburgh uh, on the way down. I don't know if you guys got a chance to check out my review of the Steelers game that I listened to on my way down there. That was the uh, the comeback win against the Jags, them Jags. Um, very frustrating, uh, but I, I made it through and happy ending at the end. Um, but that that set the tone for the next game. Uh, that I was involved in uh, Monday night got to see uh, the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins live and in color nice uh, lower bowl seats that game um, I was with I was with my buddy Tyler and we got pretty sauced uh, so <laughs> my recollection of the game was pretty hazy but I did happen to notice uh, against the Buffalo Sabres that we blew a four to one lead uh, to lose in overtime. We thought you might have jumped off a cliff after that game. Yeah, you know what? If I hadn't been pounding eighteen dollar beers at the clip that I was pounding eighteen dollar beers, um, <laughs> so you're five hundred in the hole by the end of the game. Oh my god! <laughs> well, so what? What we did? What the plan was was to to drink a couple of ghetto blasters. For the for those of you who know me, you know oh, what ghetto Jesus blasters are, but. We uh, we we hand, pounded a couple ghetto blasters before going into uh, before going into the arena, thinking, okay, we'll drink a bunch of vodka before we get in the stadium, and then as soon as we get in, we won't need to buy Level any more beers. Right. Right. What happened was you unleashed just, the beast. Yeah, <laughs> we're saying just just, just it doesn't ever work that yeah, way. It was. My buddy barely remembers anything about the game. Oh, man. Doesn't remember coming home, but that's all right. That one good... photo you said, I don't think your your lovely lady looked very impressed at one point. Ah, well, you know, <laughs> you know, these things happen. But uh, it was awesome. It was awesome to see to see the guys. Um, just the speed of the game when you get that close. Like I said, we were in the lower bowl, uh, row N. So you know we're. Only about 30 feet from the ice. I'm a believer in good seats. I'm a believer oh, yeah. in you don't go to a game unless you have good seats. Yeah, but the thing is, is with hockey, um, even the bad seats are good seats because you're right above the ice. And, and the benefit of being in those cheap seats is that you really get to see the play develop. And I really I really enjoyed uh, Saturday's game, not just because it was a 4-2 to two win against uh, division rival Columbus Blue Jackets, but um, really getting to see the whole the whole play develop and... and um, you know, just just the perspective is totally different. You know, like 
half when you're when you're down you in the lower. Tried to me on the nosebleeds before. Yeah, when you're down in the lower <laughs> bowl, half the time you're watching the jumbotron because you just can't see that. Yeah. Far. We're not all elitists, Johnny. We can't just live your <laughs> no, life. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not elitist. It's just that if I'm, I'm going to spend my money to go to a game. I'm going to spend up to get the quality that I want. Specifically, like you know, when the, when I go to a game, it's usually to go. I want to go to a game that's a. That it's a high-end game, okay? Right. So it's a Chris Sale pitching game, right? Something, something like that, and and to see these athletes and just how special they are, I think you need to be up close. When you're so far away, it's just you don't get you don't get the same feel. I can you know get a better feel for how good they are at home on my big screen TV. That's true. You know, I, mean, I don't go I, for I, just the experience. I can tell you personally from from my perception with hockey, like it's probably in an aspect of sports, like the least sport that I really know as far as major sports. But if you are going to give me tickets to go see any live sports game, I will take hockey tickets. When I first saw Bruins game like six years ago, I was just overwhelmed by the speed. You never get that on television. By just like the sounds on the boards, what you're seeing away from the puck. And mm-hmm. how it's played out. Right. It's amazing. The line changes, just like how the flow of the game works. It was one of the most... I remember that first game, I was just in awe. And I, I just couldn't wait to go back to see another Bruins game again. And I just... I mean, I still to this day, if, you're like, if you can have anything as far as football, basketball, baseball, I'm like, give me hockey tickets because that's... It's fun to watch. TV has always struggled to capture the... Essence of a hockey game. Oh my god! You saw it in the late nineties, even when they got the the, the Fox Line Street the glow pucks. right? The, the glow pucks, yeah, and the lasers and to, for the passes and the shots right. on goal and whatnot. And it's just you know they've always had difficulty. I want to see traces I'm go the live direction. action to the TV. Honestly, I th- I think if they took um, in- instead of following the play so closely and all Pulled the back. angle switchings, yeah, exactly. Like you're in the cheap seat. Yeah. Just just pull it back and you can really see it. Um, the pro- the problem with that is it's it's really difficult to identify the players if you're not intimately familiar with with the numbers and the rosters and everything like right. that. But I had a great time uh, again, especially um, on uh, on uh, Saturday. It was watching Jake Gensel score his second career hat trick. Um, I once he scored the second goal, it occurred to me, and he he scored two goals in the first period, and it had occurred to me that um, I was wearing a brand new hat, and I got very scared <laughs> because I know myself, and I know that if I was there and he scored that hat trick, it wouldn't even be a second thought. I'm just whipping, just it, straight, whipping it in there, whipping it straight to the ice. I can't, you know, so. Um, <laughs> I went and bought a beer, uh, you know, halfway through the second period or towards the end of the second period. I'm taking a leak and, you know, they have TVs everywhere and I'm watching and I see him score his hat trick and I'm like, son of a bitch, did I just luck out? (laughs) Ultimate Uh, fan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, but at that point I was like, you know, the moment's over. I'm not going to run out there and whip my hat and cause a delay game and get kicked out of the (laughs) arena. So... Uh, worked out for me. Uh, I'm wearing my brand new hat right now. I'm really happy with it. So. Nice. Um, but it was it was a great game. A huge win again against a division rival. Um, Casey DeSmith was in goal. He's been playing awesome lately. Uh, Matt Murray's out indefinitely with um, a lower body injury. Mike Sullivan said he expects that to be long term. We haven't gotten any sort of timetable on that. Um, but. 
we've got we've been struggling lately. The whole metropolitan division's been really struggling lately, but um, it's nice to see that we at least even in our losses on Monday and then again on Friday against the the Bruins, a badly hurting Bruins, um, we're getting points. Uh, even if they're garbage points, you know, overtime garbage points, we're, we're still, we've gotten points every game we've played uh, so far this past week. So that's been important. Uh, a couple news and notes uh, from the NHL. Uh, Shea Weber is um, ready to make his return to the Montreal Canadiens versus Carolina at home on Tuesday. He's been out since December 16th of last year and following two surgeries, one to repair a torn uh, meniscus in his right knee and a tendon in his left foot. So that's always dangerous when you've got two separate injuries on two different legs. Yeah. Um, you know, that could cause some major problems for you. Montreal's been uh, a late 11, 8, and 5 uh, in his absence so far this year, uh, which has them in the second wild card position, which is frankly better, better than I thought they would be this year. So. What we got there, Johnny? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to put get off Pornhub, dude. We're <laughs> live on television right now. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, Ron Hextall, the GM of the Philadelphia Flyers, was fired following a 10, 11, and two start uh, from them. Seventh in the Metro, just behind uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. The firing uh, followed a six and zero loss in Toronto. I think personally, goaltending has been his major hallmark failure. They've gone through nine different goalies in the past five seasons. Only the Sabres and the Coyotes, not great company, uh, have, <laughs> have utilized uh, more. Both of them have, have gone with 12. Uh, no replacement has yet been reported. Um, Winnipeg Jets star winger Patrick Laine scored five goals in an 8-4 to win against the St. Louis Blues on Saturday. Uh, and this is following a hat trick against Vancouver five days earlier, which started a run of 11 goals during a four-game road trip. Could you imagine? Wow. wow. This kid is absolutely on fire. Um, supposedly, during, the, um, during that road trip, he wore the same suit throughout the whole road trip. Didn't change his suit once. Are you serious? He had that, he had that goal-scoring musk just baked <laughs> into it, man. You don't want to... You don't want to ruin yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, he's obviously coming in red hot uh, playing Pittsburgh on Tuesday. Um, that would be a good segment later on, like who's more superstitious in each sport, baseball players, football players, hockey players. Oh, I don't know. Hockey baseball players are fucking head cases. Baseball players are head cases, but I, I feel like hockey players are the most super. The, some of the shit they do is absolutely right. insane. Um so yeah, one of the things, Johnny, I wanted to bring up to you and get get some of your takes on are backup goalies superseding um, starting goalies uh, for both of our teams. Matt Murray's been out, but even before uh, he was out with the injury, he was sitting on the bench. Now, I don't know if that was one of those things where he's got a, a nagging injury that shouldn't necessarily take him out and, and the coach is sitting him down, but he was four five and one posting a, a 4.08 goals against average, uh, a really weak eight, seven, seven, uh, percent, um, uh, save percentage with only one shutout. Casey to Smith, five wins, three losses, three overtime losses, 2.35 goals against 9.27, uh, save percentage with two shutouts. Now your boys, Tuca, 5-4-2, uh, 
uh, 2.72 goals against, 913 save percentage, no shutouts. Plus, he's got that, um, took that leave of absence for personal reasons. Seems yeah, I think he, he, I think he cheated on his wife. Oh, oh, well, hold, give, me one, so? give me one second. We'll get into that. Okay. Uh, and Yaroslav Halak has been absolutely outstanding. I've been so impressed with, with the little bit that I've been able to see from him, and the numbers speak for itself. He's 8-2-2, two two, 1.98 goals against average, and a 9, uh, .939 uh, save percentage with two shutouts. Obviously, he's got a good team playing in front of him, playing well in front of him as well. But um, your thoughts? Uh, I'm just tired of Tuca. Ever since he signed the big deal, he hasn't been that great. And he, now, like we've, we've discussed this on prior podcasts, like the... He's not good at the end of the year when you need him. And then last year it started to be not good at the beginning of the year. So now you can only count on him for a certain stretch of the year. It's like January, February, March. You know, Once he gets a kick in the ass from Cassidy and the backup goaltender threatens his jaw, that's when he finally turns it into gear. And this year, like you know, he was struggling. He was a complete struggle bunny for the first month, month plus. Well, that term. And then, um, you know, he takes this leave of absence, and it's a personal absence. And, you know, for for the team to phrase it the way that they phrase it, and they said it was a, a personal matter, you know, they if the team is in a player's corner, they'll, they're willing to do anything and call it anything. They'll, so they'll call it, um, in, in, you know, injury or something else, but no, they put it squarely on Tuca. For being for for taking time out, and so and then he comes back and he has the press conference and he says he's not be the man, not being the man he should be for his wife, and he needs to he needed to fix things with his wife in order to, you know, continue having the life. And that to me that just says like I I think that he, I am just he got a special I'm guessing massage, here, but I'm thinking yeah he got some kind of special massage or something extramarital, but it all. It's just the whole package. It's it's tired of Tuca. It's tired of the whole freaking package. You know, this guy not being there when the team needs him. And then, you know, when the team... And these guys like, in, you know, Bergeron and Shara, they fight through so much. And, of course, now they're both injured. But yep. they play through pretty much anything. And then for Tuca to just decide, you know, pick and choose when he wants to play his best. Because you see that he has the talent. Right, mm-hmm. he's a Vezina Trophy winner, and he's been. A, he hasn't. I mean, he hasn't himself won a Stanley Cup. He's been part of a Stanley Cup winning team, and then he got the team to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2013 against the Blackhawks in six games. They lost, but the talent's there. But ever since he seems to have gotten the the big money, mm-hmm. he hasn't lived up to it. And now that's Alox, interesting, though, Alox because Alox 2013 was the asterisk cup year. That was the lockout year where right. half half the season wasn't there. So maybe he really just doesn't have the moxie to make it that whole season. It's really just that last stretch. Yeah, he, he knows that, but it's not. He's not. He's not good in the playoffs either, though. Like you know what I mean? Like his best time. His best ones know. are he January, pretty, February, March. He was pretty good against the Penguins. The whole team year. was really good. Against oh my Penguins. god! We only scored two goals in that entire series. But you're Granted, right. You're right. He was games, really good. Holy, he fuck. was. And so we're still waiting to see that Tuca again. And now, but Halak's been really good. And he's had a few bad games, but on the, on the on the whole, he's been very good. 
And now with all these injuries, I mean, they're real, they're really going to be asked to do as much as they can. So we'll see. So let's get to that. Bruins, uh, I have it written right there. Badly beat up. Uh, Bergeron's out at least uh, four weeks with a rib, no, sterno, sternoclavicular. Yeah. So he injury. broke right here, right at the top of your chest. There's the the sternum thing. He broke that bone right there. Oh my god. Ugh. So crazy. anything he does in life is going to be painful. Yeah. So including he, sleeping. That's an injury with no specific timetable, but obviously that's going to be a huge hit for the Bruins. Uh, so far in his 19 games, he has 26 points and nine goals. Part of the what I would put out there is uh, one of the top three lines in hockey with uh, Bergeron and, uh, or excuse me, with um, Marchand and Pasternak, uh, and he's been replaced so far uh, by rookie Jakob Forsbacker Carlson. This guy's in his seventh game, and he's now centering. Uh, that line. A poor substitute, obviously. I mean, all the things that Bergeron does, he takes every important face-off mm-hmm. um, that there is, and he's so good at that. Excellent two-way player. Uh, he's won, like, what, four Selkies? Uh, yeah, four Selkies. Yeah. yeah, so uh, impossible to replace that guy. Uh, Big Z's out uh, four to six weeks with a wrenched left knee. You said you think that's going to be even longer. Um, he's in great condition. But, he's a but, but, it, it, but yeah, it's a... Yeah, I think it'll be longer on the longer end. So Chara's never missed more than 19 games in his 18-year career. Ever. So So if he's out to Christmas, that's 19 games. I don't think he'll be back by Christmas. Hmm. All right. Uh, Also um, missing from the Bruins has uh, been Charlie McAvoy, although I think, didn't he come back in this last game? Yeah. Uh, Brandon Carlo and rookie Yurho Vakaninen. (laughs) See, that's why I can't do hockey, man. My Texas accent would brutalize every fucking name in that sport. I'm I'm not sure I did too well (laughs) with that. Anyways, a lot better than what I would do. Point point being is that the Bruins uh, are really reaching into reaching into their prospect pool as far as uh, available defensemen, Uh, and the fact that they're continuing to put up W's even against a team like. The Pittsburgh Penguins, when they're so badly hurt, you know, is really, um, it, it, that's really to their credit. So I'm not going to jerk off the Bruins uh, any longer, but um, <laughs> hats off to Halak. Put it away, bruiser. <laughs> uh, also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the Sabres' nine-game win streak that they're on. Coming out of nowhere, they're second in the Atlantic right now. They were first. Uh, it, yeah, it's just absolutely insane. Um, the the stuff that they're doing, yeah, they're at 34 points. They're just just behind uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. They're 11 points ahead of my Pittsburgh Penguins. If anything's gonna have me, uh, you know, ready to jump off a cliff, it's that. But I saw I saw them on Monday, and they were they were buzzing, man. They look like a young team, a hungry team. Um, Are they just healthy now? You think everything's just clicking right for them? Ah, I think from what you've seen, Jack Eichel's finally maturing. Yeah, Jack Eichel's maturing. You know, you see this with young hockey players that they they come out of the gate really hot and then they they really cool off a lot of yeah. times. And I think it's just because so much of the game is about picking your moments. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you go one thousand percent the whole time, you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna run out of energy. 
You know, so you, you, see, you see it a lot. Even the guys that are, are great two-way players, they really pick their spots. Right. And and know when to turn it on. I think he's starting he's starting to find that. I mean, he had the, the overtime game winner against the Penguins uh, on Monday. Uh, also, my boy Connor Sherry with a goal that game. Uh, I was rocking my Connor Sherry jersey uh, at the game. Um, so, yeah, it was nice to see him again. And... Uh, one more note from the, from the games that I did get to see. Artemi Panarin is a phenomenal hockey player. Yeah, I mean, he's just one of those guys. You know how when you go to a live event and you get to see these guys uh, in person, and you get to see the the raw athleticism, um, the speed, the strength, the size, the the finesse. Um, he is just he was just so much fun to watch, even from two thousand feet in the air. So nice. That's what I got on hockey. All right. I bet you were just on top of the world. Oh, yeah. Two games going down to Pittsburgh. Family. Oh, was fun. Yeah. yeah. And and I got to uh, I got to witness uh, in my brother's uh, beautiful smoke filled tavern. Uh, you're allowed to smoke. Still, the, still allowed to smoke. You're allowed oh, to smoke in the bars in that. Pennsylvania. Sounds like a place I would like. Yeah, you I mean, you're talking to three restaurant workers right here. Like the day they like banned smoking inside, I was just on top of the world. I could imagine going back in that environment. Again. Oh my god, it was it was as a non-smoker. Uh, now it was brutal, but getting to uh, witness in a uh, in a bar full of hicks the um, the West Virginia Oklahoma game. Um, that was a real stunner, so I'll, I'll send it over to you to talk some of Well, I'll Murray or Tua, who you got? Bro, I mean, I know we want to talk about some big games in college sports, and you want to talk about, you know, LSU and Texas A&M being... But who's your Heisman? Who you got, Kyler or Tua? I got, I got Kyler. Yes, I got you. Kyler. And I want, to, I want to talk about that game. I want to talk about him. I mean, let me, I don't know where we want to go with this in college football. We've kind of ignored that. In our show, and it's kind of a lost thought up here being in New England, and me being from Texas, I miss college football, I miss that talk, you can talk about the corruption of college football and how it's all geared to a big program, whatever the case may be, I love college football to death, and I kind of yeah. feel feel like I, I've lost that love a little bit being up here, but... You can, you're always my wingman. <laughs> it's okay. But, uh, you know, I think that, I mean, we can go back and forth. I think that was the game of, of the college game of the week, talking about uh, West Virginia. And but you had the game of all college football history on Saturday night. Are all right. You crazy? Look, I mean, you can, I mean, it's crazy. It was crazy. crazy. No, it's not crazy. That game was the all time best game ever. No. All time. Yeah. Overtime. I mean, I, I I love the aspect. You didn't I, get to see the whole game. I fans. did not get to see the whole so, game, and I understand that. But getting to see this game, talking about Oklahoma, talking about West Virginia, talking about eight against 13, 59-56, regular, not seven overtimes, fifty nine fifty six. Talking about look, you can look at the total offensive numbers. You know, Oklahoma was 668. West Virginia was 706. They didn't even have a punt until late in the third quarter. Absolutely, yeah. And you're talking about Murray. This is my Heisman guy who I... It turns my fucking stomach to talk about a Sooner as a UT fan. You know, and coming (coughs) off this year when Texas did beat them, 
with Ellinger in and, and, and thinking Texas is going to be a solid program. But what, I, what I'm getting back to, when you talk about him with 478 total yards offense, the guy is a beast and still came out this week and committed to he's going with the Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, Oakland A's, that he's going to stick with baseball is huge for him, even though he could be a Heisman winner. And I wonder, with college football, will they hand him that trophy with him saying that? Sure. All right. Sure. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel so... Look at Tebow. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> fuck Tebow. It's a different path. <laughs> fuck Tebow. Take a knee and fuck Tebow. We're going to get back to Tebow later Okay, on. okay, here we go. But uh, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. But I, I really did think that game was phenomenal. And that put them in the top six in, in, in the bowl hunt. Um, and putting them back in with Georgia, you know, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Alabama. And I'm not sold on Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State has what it takes to even be near that to be a championship at the end. I mean, I love their halftime adjustments the other day against Michigan. They just came out in the second half and just shit Even before all over that, they, they came out. They came out and they owned that game from the get-go. Yeah. But I was disappointed from the start because I was all in, ready for Michigan to finally win it this year. Yeah. But I was nervous. Because, we talked you know, about you it. You saw the line. It was Michigan minus five on the road against Ohio State, a team. Ohio State was 17-2 and two against Michigan. And I texted you in the locker room talk with the running back from Michigan coming out and saying, we're going to beat them. I'm like, don't give them chalkboard. Just, just don't give them any fuel to come out and want to beat you. Um, running back from Michigan guaranteed victory earlier in the week against right. Ohio State. Don't do it. So this was Shut this up. was Michigan's time, you know. So yeah. they had lost their first game of the year earlier in the year against Notre Dame. So, but they were still number four in the standings going into this game. Right. And Ohio State was number ten, but they had not looked good. And I don't know if you got to see the week before, but Ohio State almost lost. Yep. To Maryland the week before. It took and there a, was this whole issue about Urban Meyer and, the, and Norm and more like plays Michael. that up. You think, he, you think so? Absolutely. Yeah. I know he's got all these health issues and a cyst in his brain or whatever, but I'm sorry. He, I, I, I know this sounds horrible. I'm going to be the horrible person. No, but I get and it, I'm too. Go when he was struggling in Florida, it's that's when it all surfaced. It's a yeah. show. It's a show, you know? And they, they should have lost to Maryland, and then they come back and they won late because you know, Maryland went for two in a situation where they, they actually should have gone for the tie. You know, they were at home right. and were taking it to overtime. But instead, they go for two, and Ohio State lucks out and wins it at the end. So maybe they were looking ahead to the Michigan game, possibly, but whatever. They, it still showed that they really haven't been that good this year. But then against Michigan this Saturday, the game, Ohio State just looked so much better in all phases yeah. of the game from the get-go. Even like even right before halftime, they were up. They were up huge, and Michigan just got lucky because there was a Ohio State fumble to kick off. So. Michigan scored like two touchdowns in under thirty seconds to make it the, make it a closer game, but the the final score, being what it was, it, it's just how embarrassing for Michigan and how Six, fraudulent are 62 you? Sixty two to thirty nine. Sixty two to thirty nine. And that's the summary. I mean, you're you're going in, you know. Harbaugh's now zero and four against Michigan. Right. Or Ohio State. Sorry. And they got the garbage time points in the fourth quarter. You know, they got the twenty. But you go in the third quarter as Michigan and get zero points. After putting up 19 in the first and holding them to 24, which is a high point offense, you're looking good, and it's all about those halftime adjustments. And it's just like I, I, well, I don't I, think they were looking good though. You don't think so? No, because like I said, they got two touchdowns in under yeah. 30 seconds because of the big fumbled kickoff yeah. return. But that's that's college sports. You need those big <laughs> yeah. plays to turn well, around. Well, no, that's what I thought. I, th- I did think the game was going to turn around at that point. But, yeah, but I, did right. too. I did too. I did too. 
And I, you know, I, I came back around and looked at it again, and just for them to jump up and give up 17 points and not score a thing in the third. It was an onslaught. Like a, it was a freaking yeah. onslaught, and it, it was embarrassing. Up, if you're a Michigan fan quick. or a Michigan supporter or a Michigan alumni, you're embarrassed. I heard Brady on the radio on my way over here tonight, and he's embarrassed. To be from Michigan right now, because like, seriously, what's it no, going to take? I, I when are they going to win? When are they going to beat Ohio State? And you can't tell me that the talent is that much of a difference. These teams have been neck and neck forever. Right. That's why it's called the game, the rivalry, the biggest rivalry in sports, because these teams are so close. All right. You, well, you know, you're talking December first. You're talking Alabama, Georgia. What do you think is going to happen? So there? that's the next game. So, at, so I was so sick after watching. So we went and saw Creed two. Then I come back and I had DVR the, the game, the Ohio State Michigan game. I watched that and then I'm like just disgusted that that's the that's what I got to see. Yeah. So then I'm like, all right, well, cool. At least maybe I got the Iron Bowl to save it. I got Auburn Alabama. That's always a good game. Yeah. And Auburn was hanging in there for a while, but. I've been practicing this name a lot. I've been really have. I've been taking the last week, and I've spent the majority <laughs> of my here. week working on this name. Tua Tagovailoa. Tua Tagovailoa. I got it. You got to kind of make it into a song. Right? <laughs> Try it. Tua Tagovailoa. Tua Tagovailoa. Ricola. Six touchdown passes later, and he's back. You know, he had slid down the Heisman, Heisman front, front runner race. He, yeah. had, he slid down. But, like, and Kyler Murray jumps up. But then two, Tagovailoa goes out and throws six more touchdown passes. Looks amazing, and now he's right back in it. So we're going into the Heisman race, and it's neck and neck between the two. It really is. Well, I really think in college football, this is where the difference is with college coaches, is that a halftime adjustment. Because you, you can you can game plan and throw out a few, few things. You can scheme four or five series of offensive football, but once you run that out and once you know what your talent is as a head coach, you know how to like adjust and make that happen. That's what you're seeing with Ohio State. That's what you're seeing with Alabama. Alabama just I I hate Saban. I'm sorry, but he is a fucking genius. Everybody does. I know. Because I mean it's, it's, the, it's the Belichick effect. Alabama fatigue. You know, because yeah. they just he knows how to coach. Thank football. God for Deshaun Watson for at least beating him once, right? Yeah, yeah. You gotta take it when you can get it with in those programs. All right, you so I mean it. we're gonna we'll jump ahead because I wanna ask you guys a quick question. Does Clemson and freshman sensation Trevor Lawrence can if they meet, they are most likely gonna play Alabama in the championship again for the third straight year, um, fourth straight year. I'm sorry, fourth, for the straight, fourth year. straight year. I'm sorry, they're most likely gonna play again for the fourth straight year for it all. Can Clemson and the rookie sensation Trevor Lawrence take out Alabama and Tua? I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. And the only problem, like looking at Clemson's schedule, you can easily say well their defense holds the points down, but they haven't really honestly tested themselves. I mean, the hardest opponents have come with NC State, number 16, they held them to 7, which is great. You know, Florida State, they held them to 10. You know, Louisville. Florida like, State's terrible. You know, but like all, all those teams, Boston College, you know, they only get 27 to 7 on them. But I, I just don't see enough in their catalog, their portfolio, to prove to me they can take Alabama down. It's easy to say they can hang, but once they once you step on that field against that team next it's a year. Whole different I'm game. pretty sure Alabama could beat the Oakland Raiders right now. Next year, I think next year when Trevor Lawrence. That's no, true. I mean, I mean, they're, they talk about the year older. Yeah. Next year, but as a freshman, is a freshman going to go beat Alabama in the championship game? No freaking no way. way. I mean, they're going to. I mean, I know Tua gonna was a freshman last year, and Tua like brought him back, but I just feel like Alabama's team is better to support Tua, and right. now 
I don't know. I feel like... I mean, you're talking about Alabama back-to-back against LSU and Mississippi State, a number three and a number 16 that held them two weeks in a row, zero points scored. And that says they're... they're, they're the then ones they were tied 10-10 to 10 against Citadel at yeah. halftime. That was a little weird. I just think they just... Yeah, everybody was just partying, relaxing at that point, And just, Something's you know, weird. all the football players were just in, enjoying the freshman class. Of ladies, and that you know that was just 56 a fifty-six point favorite. They're fifty-six point favorite, and it was ten to ten at the half against. Still Dillard. win 50, 57 I mean, they didn't cover the spread. Right. But yeah, still, that was a cakewalk, yeah. you know, whatever the case may be. I just don't see any anybody beating them. I think this is going to be a cakewalk for them. I would. I, I mean, I think Oklahoma can score on that defense, but I don't think Oklahoma, in any way, shape, or form, can stop that offense. No way. No way at all. All right, so let's get into, in my opinion, what was the greatest college football game I've, <laughs> I've ever seen. Hold on. Before we get into that, can I just get your opinion on um, on pit, pit football? Because I feel like they're performing way above what everybody thought they would this year. My Canes took them you out 24 to really. You gave me shit about it early in the year. They, they had a promise. They had they had great talent on that team. Padre Olsen is yeah. legit. He is a legit running back. He's the next in a... Pitt's a long line of great running backs. Claudio Olison is legit. Starting with Tony Dorsett? Yeah. Ooh. That's All right. Amazing. So, but yeah. You know, they, that, you, know that, you know that warms my Texas soul. Yeah, right well, he's, he's from uh, the high school I went to. We talked about this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just always but name drop. Miami beat them 24-3 <laughs> this past weekend. But Pittsburgh has, will have their chance against Clemson because they, they won their part of the uh, ACC. Coastal division, so they're going to meet Clemson. Clemson's going to make their claim against. But Clemson's going to whack Clemson, them. Clemson's going to like just want to make their stake that game. Didn't I feel we? Sorry um, for didn't last year we have a a big win against one of those marquee teams? You beat Miami last year when Miami was good. Right. Oh, so marquee Miami. My well, Miami was on the way back up last yeah. year, first year of uh, Coach Richt, but they've slid back a little this year. Um, all right, so let's get into number seven LSU against number twenty-two Texas A&M. Now, I caught this game late. This was part of my uh, right check the check all the scores right before I go to bed deal just to make sure I'm not missing anything. And it was the fourth quarter, and it was thirty-one to twenty-four. LSU was ahead, and you know so. And then under a minute to go, Texas A&M gets the ball back, and they are driving, and they throw an interception. Uh, the quarterback Moat. Mont, Mont, sorry, for Texas A&M. Throws an interception to LSU. And he was in the shotgun formation. And the ball was snapped to him. And it was it was dropped. And Mont went down to get it. Then throws the interception. LSU, you know, catches it. Thinks the game's over. There's 30 seconds left. Not enough time out for A&M to stop it. So Coach Orgeron gets the Gatorade shower. And all right, game's over. Come to review, it looked like Mont, the quarterback for Texas A&M, his knee touched a blade of grass. And his knee was down. And in college, if you put your knee down, one knee down, you're, you know, you're down. So they retained possession. Oh, no. Yeah. Further, further down the drive, <clears throat> fourth and 18 comes up. And they complete a pass. And... It's clearly about two, maybe three yards short of the yellow line on the TV. So it looks like they only got 15. Refs get the ball. They spot it. Everything's in a hurry because Texas A&M had no more timeouts left. We're under 30 seconds to go. They're driving. This got the ball down to the 42-yard line of LSU. And you know they're in the 20s as far as seconds are going. And the referees put the ball down, give them the first down. And everyone goes up in arms like, 
what is this? What's going on? They clearly didn't make the first down marker. They're short. Can't they? They can't they, they do a, like a, an official's timeout there and take the time to spot the but ball? But you don't want to give the team a, a, an extra timeout you know, to reset. You know, they kind of just had to keep the game keep the game going. But in retrospect, yeah, they should have done something like that. Anyway, it turns out the yellow line was wrong. <laughs> right. Of that's, all times, that's the yellow they line say the, to be wrong. The yellow line is not official. It's not official. Turns right. out of all times for the yellow line to be wrong. So they did actually get the first down, even though it was controversial. Next play, Rodgers makes an insane catch on the sideline, then they score a touchdown. They tie it up with mere seconds to go. I don't know if the time was running out, or it was three seconds to go, but 31 31. Game goes over to overtime, and when it goes to seven overtimes, each team going back and forth, switch, uh, trading scores. Each team scored in their in each of the seven overtimes. And of course, once in college, once you get to the third overtime, you have to start going for two. So when LSU would make their would score a touchdown and make their two, Texas A and M would score a touchdown and make their two. When Texas A and M didn't get the two when they scored because they rotate it, then LSU didn't get their two. And then it just kept going on and on and on and. Then, and tremendous catches. I'll tell you that. Number 13, Rodgers, the receiver for Texas A&M. Yeah. The catches that he made, and just not that one that I showed you guys, the one-handed flip-up catch, touchdown. Well, the quarterback, Mond, was almost on the ground. He was getting sacked, and he just threw it up there. And then Rodgers tips it up to himself and catches it somehow, miraculously. It'll be interesting to see what that kid does. Flea flickers. There was just so many plays in the game that were He incredible. didn't even have 300 total yards for the season on his stats. Yeah. He, he, it was a breakout game for him. Showing yeah, like he was he unbelievable. What was, yeah. his, what was his final stat line? He was only... Uh, let me see. Rodgers was only... I mean, that's three receptions, 53 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he just came that's in. It? Yeah. And that's where he shot. It seemed like he was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's the craziness of that game. Yeah, the flea flickers and whatnot. And I, it, it's my contention that LSU should have won the game a few times. And they didn't. And... You know, give credit to Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher for being resilient. They were very resilient, and they pulled it out, and they upset number 22 A&M, upset number 7 LSU, and ends their championship I think there's nothing, final four hopes. Yeah. With Fisher, I think there's nothing but upside for A&M in that program right there. That was I hate Jimbo Fisher. So we all do. I, I mean, we all do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I just think recruiting in that kind of game and that kind of profile, I mean... You it was know. big. Yeah, absolutely. So it just I think the game was incredible. It was incredible to watch that this high quality of game this late at night and it just kept going and going and going and I've texting you guys about it like I hope you guys aren't missing this because you're missing an instant classic. Yeah. I, I was missing it. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. The if you I missed it, the watch it again. Well it's gonna be replay. I've already yeah. watched the replay on it. I mean it was it was replayed on the ESPN. So it was too, just like, there were right so away. many plays and I haven't we haven't even gotten into all of them. There's just there were so many high-end plays, high-quality plays, and that's what you want in a game like that. It's that not just, late, that it's fatigue, not just, and like doing the those score yeah. is back and forth. The plays right. were back and were amazing back right. and forth. So that's it. That's all we got for college football, I think. Unless you guys have anything else to add. No, no I mean, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, you, you look at those top six, but I, I just think Alabama, right there. I, you know, there's just nobody's going to keep up with them. In, in the whole you know, college football bowl. Look forward series. to another Alabama championship. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Um, quick word about college basketball. Zion Williamson action. Thankfully, Duke and their their fabulous freshman trio. They lost to Gonzaga last week in the Maui Classic. Watch that whole classic. 
There was but how a, good is Zion Williamson? I'm sorry. No, I mean, I mean, this is he's gonna be a one and done. He's gonna go, and, and it, as far as overall, I mean, he is athletically the most talented kid I've seen in a long, long time. You're if talking. You know who he is? He's the he's a freshman at Duke. Duke has brought in three. Uh, Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson are the three freshmen that they brought in this year, and now the number one team in the nation. Oh, they were before they lost to Gonzaga last week, but they're just—they look incredible. Zion Williamson was the next big thing, you know, hyped since you know LeBron was hyped early on in high school. Zion Williamson was hyped early on in high school. <coughs> right. When he announced where he was going last year, you know, he had to he had to pick the hat, and it was a big freaking deal because this guy is going to be unbelievable. So the next big basketball thing is Zion Williamson. It's true. I mean, and I think even like you think over the long term of a career, like I think, I think Barrett is has got more upside. I just think this kid right now, his size, well, the talent of Zion. Ta- no, I mean, it's like, like where he is right now, he is like the hardest guy to deal with. But it's flashy, you know what I right. mean? Like the, the dunks, right. and the blocks, and how you know, big he is. He's you know who he reminds me? Like a brick. You know who he reminds me of besides Charles Barkley, but even on more athletic level is Larry Johnson. Yes, Grandmama. Yes, that's a that's just a that good beast. Comparison. That just that beast of a guy who can just. You, there's no way. Physically, at this age, for these college players to match up with that kid, he and, even has more ups than Larry Johnson did. Though. Oh, absolutely! I mean, it's just dirty to think the guy's almost like two sixty. Yeah, and he's got over a forty inch vert. The blocks it, and the dunks are just insane. No, and it's I fun can't to wait watch. To see where this guy goes. The Maui, the Maui showed a lot of things because Illinois was a great team. Auburn, who I think has tremendous upside, because they're a big physical team. I texted you that night, like I want to see what he does right here because they can get physical with them. The problem was. Duke showed that they can play from the outside too, which was impressive that game because they hit a shitload of threes. Barrett and Reddish. Right? Yeah, Gonzaga. I, I I really think Duke came a little beat up in that championship in Maui in that classic right there, a little bit more beat up than Gonzaga did coming out of that. Illinois gave them a big scare. I didn't think they were going to even make that game. Gonzaga, talking about Gonzaga, um, but it, it like you said, it saves the season. It gives a lot of teams. A little bit of hope, like we can go at this well, team. Because we, we as a fan of college basketball, you just it, don't want to think it's going to be a. It a looks landslide. like it was going to be a Duke thirty-seven right. and zero season. Let's yeah. just cancel the, co- the college coach, basketball the season. The Coach K show and just like just right, be right. done because Duke's know. just going to steamroll through everyone exactly. this year. We, and who, thankfully, Gonzaga beat them, and now the college this college basketball season is back on. Right. So, who do you think is is deserving a number one right now in the standings? Even though Duke lost, I mean Gonzaga goes up two spots. They're they're leading right now. Duke falls to three. Everybody's saying Kansas deserving so not Gonzaga, even though they beat Duke. That kid Vic from Kansas, he can shoot. And, t- and talk about a sleeper to watch. And I don't even call him a sleeper now because they finished so well last year. Is Nevada? They are dirty too. Those no. kids can run and gun. They kind of remind me of the old UNLV team because they just have such talent on the outside. So, that, that's the quick overview there. And I told you right now, watch Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to shock shock the world. And I told you Tennessee you always bows out in the round of yeah, 32. But, it's I the mean, thing that they do. The everybody everybody should have their time. Forever, so. All right. Do y'all guys watch um, football on Thanksgiving? What's, well, I, <laughs> I passed out during the first game. I celebrated my, my victory 5K run with uh, quite a bit of spirits and booze and woke up and watched the last two games. But I was, uh, I, if we're going to roll into football, I mean, we can talk about Cowboys, Redskins. Well, let's talk about the contrast. Can we go with the contrast from Monday night's Game of the Century, Rams, Chiefs, <laughs> Score Fest? 
And then we roll into a two, three days later, the noon, 12.30 Thanksgiving game of the Lions and Bears, <laughs> yeah, where you have can I, Stafford and Chase Daniels struggle bunny up yes. there. Like, they just can't get anything done. I got I to gotta say, you know, sitting down and actually watching the game, um, my dad's from Chicago. Uh, I didn't have really any skin in the game. Um, I was rooting for Chase Daniel, man. And, and it was funny because because... I had made the picks earlier in the week in a rush um, and had forgotten that Trubisky was out. So coming into this game, I was like, fuck. Chase Daniels knows the offense better than Trubisky. Dude. He just doesn't have the upside. That I love Chase Daniels. Dude, played, he was... When he played he, for Missouri, I loved well, he, watching him And he's been play. with Nagy for, for years. Yeah. Because he used to be Kansas City's backup. South Chase Lake, Daniel was Kansas City's South backup. Lake Texas was kid too. He was making yeah. he was making plays. Didn't yeah. he, didn't he catch a pass? It took him a little while, but he once he got into the game, he's a scrambler. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, didn't he didn't he catch a pass and and run? Uh, did he? Oh, oh, he did. He did. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You're, yeah, I mean, it just just the whole thing was just one play for eight yards receiving. Yeah, it was an important first down at the time. <laughs> it was just it was an awesome game to watch. I was definitely, you know, everybody knew that, uh, you know, what the lines were because I was talking about it incessantly. So everybody was kind of cheering, uh, well, cheering me. I will, I will. Chicago had the late inter- interception by Eddie Jackson to, to cover the spread, and that was yeah, oh well, yeah, don't don't I know it? I will say, and I know it's kind of tradition. The NFL needs to get away from the Cowboys and the Lions on <laughs> Thanksgiving Day if they, they want to save Thanksgiving. Absolutely, football. Yes. they have to get away from it. And I understand, like for the longest time, that's what rule is the Barry Sanders era. It, it was you know the Cowboys era in the '90s and like building up. Those Turkey Day games. You got but two of the more methodical, could, slow-paced, that was like teams. That was like visual Dramamine. Right. That's what they both are. They are. And save for Amari Cooper, the Cowboys There was more first-quarter offense in the KC Rams game in both those games, two games combined. Yeah. All right, so you want to talk a little... All right, so we had Chicago win the first game. You want to get into... Uh, Mari Cooper, and um, you want to revisit your opinion of giving up the first round pick uh, you know, for Mari Cooper and how it's affecting no. your team, and what to expect from your team going forward now. Well, because you got a big game next. We Thursday. talked a lot about it at the end of last week when you and I did the show of like where this division is going to go, and I'm still not sold on the fact that Cowboys can win out. I'm, I, I think they are the favor. You have to think about them being the favor with Smith going down, but that would be a totally different game if there wasn't three turnovers. On the Redskins side of the ball with McCoy, mm-hmm. and I was scared going. And you, you even reminded me of it because I and I texted you like the last time we lost Thanksgiving, I mean 2014. McCoy like came in as a reserve backup quarterback and, and whipped the shit out of us, and, and took us by surprise. But I I love seeing the passing game. I actually love seeing the fact that we we threw 31 times and Prescott had 289 yards, two TDs, and Cooper showed his strength. He showed his. I think he's an amazing route runner. I think he is a really good route runner. Yeah, I, I agree. I, yeah, I, he's been that way ever since yeah. he went to that Alabama. Absolutely. And, and Zeke, you know, with Zeke, we know what we're going to get. And I, I, from the defensive side of the ball, leading in tackles again, Van Der Esch, that kid's upside is phenomenal. I don't even know Sean Lee might retire this after this season. I don't know. Well, you're all set with Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. Yeah, I think the future. Jalen Smith is. I think the future. I think the future is there. I think you have plenty of things to build on the defensive that side. Defense is good. Yeah, they're good. They're good, but the, you know that offense is not good enough as far as you're talking about playoff material. Uh, but winning the NFC East, which is depleted, I I was. 
you're funny because you mentioned the Giants. Could they be that sleeper coming in? And they rolled out on the Eagles earlier this mm. past week. Should have won that. And I'm like, all right, maybe Johnny's talking about it. But then again, that defense for the Giants is just absolutely horrible and gave a and the bizarre just play calling, an atrocious, bizarre atro- yeah, play calling, atrocious Eagles offense right now. Just let them come back in the game, like you're talking about on the on the play scheme defensively. So I think your Cowboys will win this out. Will they be an eight and eight? Will they be a seven and nine? It could be fucking ugly how this conference. Do you think ends. they have any chance of taking out the Saints next Thursday night? Hell no. This Thursday night coming no. up. No, They're I don't think so at all. Seven Saint, and a half, eight point dogs. Seven and a half, eight. I mean, covering the spread, maybe even cover the spread. No, I don't. I think I'll take them to cover the spread. You think you will? Yeah, just because at they're, home they're big, physical, and they have a, up a solid defense. Yeah. But coming short off, week for the Saints on the road. Coming off the Falcons, not not a short week because they no. Saints played Thursday also. Yeah, Thursday. it's not, not a, short a short week for week. anybody. Everybody's yeah. got plenty of rest. But them playing the Falcons and we coming off the Falcons and seeing what they did, I just uh, this I'm I am on that Falcon. I mean I'm I'm on that Saints train right now. I think they are the team to beat. I think they are the favor for for it all. The whole the holy trophy, like to win it all, Super Bowl. Um, because they do have that balanced defense. I would love to see what we can do. It, this is definitely going to be the measuring stick for the Cowboys right here yeah. if they're going to like exist in the playoffs at but all. But they can lose and still win the division, which is good. Well, it's true. Gotta, I mean, because I think... So does that make you feel good that they can lose and still win the division, or is it just kind of bittersweet because you know that... I mean, I guess it depends how they play. Right? My honest answer, I don't want to win the division in aspects of the future. I want heads to roll in some, some ways. But how about you be good and go to the playoffs this year and compete, and then next year you go in the trash for and, another one and suck in for and Tua. Then you can suck for Tua. I don't know, man. I just To go one in and one out again in the playoffs and limp in and just to fall out, I'm tired of this whole narrative and like how we get there and don't get there. So this all means that you're still not really in favor of the trading a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. I am in a way, but I don't I'm, think they can go anywhere this year. Why are you giving up your first round pick next year? <laughs> right? I because I fucking hate Jason Garrett. I'm sorry. Yeah, I hate him. I, I I need I for me to feel comfortable about their future. I need to see that front office and that organization to change. I need to see some people in that Jones organization, that family organization, step down and give it to football minds who want to win and not just make money. I want to see fans not be happy at the end of the year they made the playoffs. And demand things to change, and not just settle for a fucking losing season again. And well, with the sellout crowd, I think okay. So you win the division, Marty. So you finish with nine wins. Okay, so you have six now. Your last two games are against Tampa Bay and at the Giants. So that's eight wins. So if you can just win one of these ne- next three games, at home against the Saints, at home against Philly, at the Colts, you're going to get nine wins. And I think nine wins will get the NFC East division done. What does that do for you? That will then you'll host the first round wild card weekend playoff game True. against a team like a Seattle. Against a team maybe like a Minnesota, maybe like a Carolina, that, that that's a team that you'll host. So yep. you'll, you'll most likely beat them. Okay, so they get to play on div- yes, and then because most likely we'd have beat those. First, I don't. I don't think we'd beat them. Yes, they do. You think so? I do. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jaded. At Seattle, no, Johnny, I'm jaded, and I just have no belief right now. Even though when they do well, like I I turned off the fucking game in the fourth quarter because I just expect something always bad to happen. I'm the worst. Cowboys fan right, right it now. will happen in division weekend because if they're the four seed and they have to go to play at the Saints that's yeah. when you're something bad's gonna happen right but I think you're gonna get there I hope I mean 
I have hopes. I, I have hopes, but also I don't want those hopes to transcend in the fact that we signed Garrett for longer years or, or Linehan on the offenses. I just think that we have talent. I think the players, we have great players to build on. I don't trust the coaching to utilize those players in the best way possible to make us effective. I hear that. Okay. Right. So that well, okay. So this is a nice transition into the next game Thursday night, which we had the Saints or the, what do we have the Saints, uh, Falcons. Falcons at the Saints. The Saints won thirty-one seventeen. I thought this game it, it would be a little closer. Did in the second time these two teams have met this season, division rivals. They've always played close games with each other. Um, but you know, New Orleans is just on a warpath this year, and they're blowing teams out, and so they won by fourteen. And What's the most outstanding numbers? I mean, Brews, I mean, Drew Brees with 171 yards, four TDs. Defensive did their side of the ball. You know, Fal- Thomas I thought, and Kamara didn't do anything. Yeah, you know, Kamara had 89 yards. I think he had a touchdown. I mean, defensively, they held the Falcons to 5-15 and 15 on third downs. I mean, they're efficient. That's why I think still they are that team. Well, really, though, the, the story was is that the Falcons just couldn't get it done in the red zone, too. That's been the story since day one. Yeah, Remember our first podcast after week one when they played at Philadelphia and they got in the red zone time after time after time and they couldn't get in because they're using 1950s type play calling with Sarkeesian and they're slamming their heads against the wall playing tough football. I'm trying to <laughs> slam it in the red zone get right. a touchdown. They do the same thing over and over again. So what, hap- what, hap- what happens with this team in the offseason? Atlanta's. They carry They're not that far removed from being good, and they have good. a very talented offense, and they have talented defensive players. I don't know. Coaches have, coaches have rolled in. Coaches have rolled they, out. You know what? I, I think it stays the same. You know why? Let me tell you why. Because I think that the NFC South has been the most, if not one of the most, competitive divisions in football true. over the last few years. Very between true. the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers, it's a tough division to win every year. Yeah. And they've got talent, and... You know, I, you really want to tear that apart right now and rebuild I, for what? Saint Drew Brees is old. I know he's good, but they're old. He's not gonna be around that much longer. No. So I Very think true. I think they'll stay put. So, they do. so the right. the story of this game, just looking at the numbers, were was uh, the the uh, Falcons were killing it with passing yards, three hundred and forty yards passing to the Saints, one sixty two. Um, Saints were. Killing it rushing, big surprise there. One fifty to twenty six, time of possession about equal. But but when you look at it, it's turnovers and and also third down percentage. Uh, four for the for the Falcons to the Saints one turnover and thirty three percent for the Falcons to forty five percent. And and when that breaks down to you know to to getting it done and moving the ball and. You know, you can, they do have that talented offense, but it's not clutch. It's not getting it done when they need it to. And they can't run and the ball. Get, Julio's not existing in the red zone because you just double up on him and you just push him to the outside. The, yeah. the, guy, the guy's only going to score touchdowns if it's over 20 yards or more. And they just don't scheme enough to him. Yeah, for sure. But he's been scoring touchdowns in the red zone lately. I think he has three touchdowns in his last three games. Not all red zone touchdowns, but he's getting. I'm saying he's getting touchdowns now. Or he's, he had a had long red zone drought. All right, let's get into the um, the brawl game uh, Sunday. Bills, Bills, Jags. Bills, Jags. Leonard Fournette, uh, he was suspended. Just the news just came down a few a few hours ago that he's suspended for next week's game at home against Indianapolis for his role um, in the the brawl between the Bills and the Jaguars. 
I, you know, I saw the brawl. I didn't see much of the game because who really cares about Jacksonville Buffalo right now? I do know that uh, Josh Allen, the high pick, high Bills quarterback pick from the draft last year, had 99 yards rushing. Um, if you're looking Jeez. for a desperation play at quarterback in a fantasy league, trying to pull something out of your hat in the fantasy playoffs. Talking about me. Go with Allen. <laughs> go with Allen. He can get you the rushing yards. You know, 99 right. yards and a rushing touchdown. Maybe he can get something done for you. I know it looks like the Jaguars, to me, have packed it in. And, you know, that says a lot about the makeup of the team. When they were on the rise three years ago, or wait, two years ago, two they years were on the ago. rise. Yeah. Okay. And then last year, they had put together a really good season. They make it to the AFC Championship game. Fuck. They They blow the lead late and lose. And then this year, week two, they get the Patriots at home. And they tre- when they won that game, they treated it like it was like they just won the Super Bowl. The owner was in the locker room. They were throwing parties after the game. They- and they said it. They all players all said it to a man. It was like they just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then they went on the now they're on the seven game freaking losing streak and their season's over. They're three and eight, losing at Buffalo. I mean, I think losing to the Steelers in tremendous fashion. Yeah. And then and then losing to to that's Buffalo. dispiriting. Because the Steelers were a team that they beat twice last year right. in Pittsburgh. Oh, I remember. Yeah. So, I mean, for Jacksonville, it's kind of sad. You may see Jalen Ramsey start to get traded in the offseason. You know, him and his big mouth. He, he, oh, he, he wants he, out of there. He can get a lot on the market and for I, Jacksonville. Somebody, I, will still it, go, somebody will still give him the money. I think Marone gets fired, too. Yeah. I just don't think he's the right coach in the, for, that, for that team. He's too... Old school, quiet, and weird for that team that is wants to be flashy and uh, and of course, but they're also the, the other news of the day for for that team is Blake Bortles is getting benched next week. Finally, you know he did just sign a new contract in the offseason, which was a huge mistake that they made. So they're stuck with him for a few more years. But Cody Kessler will start this week, and again they won't have Leonard Fournette because he'll be suspended. So let's just wrap that game up and move along. Yeah, I um I said it in my recap. Last week, that um, Jalen Ramsey deserves better than the Jaguars. I hate him. I hate his mouth. I hate his. I hate his mouth too. But let, let's think about it. Like no. you can't quarter, talk. You can't talk on a team like that. Cornerbacks are the the mouthiest players on the team. He's deserving. Deserving so, but you gotta you gotta step up to him. Like he he called everybody out this off season, and he had nothing to stand by, and I. I don't. I don't want to cancer in my locker room. Locker no, room in a lot of ways. Like I don't, I don't and then when things silent. got tough for them, he shut up. He shut didn't up want the questions. He's been silent. He's, yeah. yeah, he didn't want to hear any of it. He right. said, "I don't want to answer these questions." So if you if you can only talk when your team is going well and not when it's going bad, that says a lot about you as a person, and your character, and you have some serious flaws. I mean, after, I don't know. After, All I know is that he shut he shut uh, Antonio Brown down three games in a row, and for me, that's that's big stuff. Now from the, from the fifth, I mean that's gonna be interesting to watch the AFC Wild Card from the fifth spot starting with the Chargers. Past that with the Ravens. Well, let's get to that. We still gotta get to the recap. Okay, get, sure. I mean, let's I mean, get to the Hugh Jackson Bowl first. Hugh Jackson. Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, love. Do you, do you think if they didn't? Did you wake up this morning feeling dangerous? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because I had two catnip gin and juices last night. Oh, I love that. I, I'm all aboard the Baker Mayfield train. No, dude, I went to the speakeasy in Portland, Maine. I didn't even tell you about this. There's a cat uh, catnip infused gin martini, and I was feeling froggy after Dangerous. those two drinks. Frisky? Oh, Dangerous. yeah. Oh, yeah. This kitty likes to scratch. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about our growing love for Baker Mayfield and our. Dude, I've had a. I've been. 
fucking. You've had a Mayfield in your pants. Oh, I just I got a Mayfield in his mouth. We talking about nothing pants. He's been going at it. You know how hard it is for me to love any Cleveland Browns player, but Hard Knocks got me on the Mayfield train. I love this kid. Okay, and and it exposed Hugh Jackson for the fraud of a coach that he is. Oh, yeah. And how about the disrespect that the players showed him yesterday? Oh, After the interception, man. the ball, them handing, handing him the ball. <laughs> handing him that the was ball. beautiful. That was the beautiful. game. Well, well, the whole thing is, is that a different game? I mean, obviously with Dalton out, I mean, is that a different game if Hugh Jackson's not on that sideline as far as the score and like how they arrived to that no, game? No, I think it was all part of it. I think it was all, yeah. all winning. They, they wanted to shit they on him That organization wanted to shit on him When are the Browns have 28 nothing out over anyone? Uh, that was wild. I, that was the mo- that was. The game I watched yesterday. Yeah. The Hugh Jackson ball. And and now Andy Dalton is out for the year, going to IR, which maybe maybe is a good thing. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Who knows? But I'll tell do you. Do you think they need to move away from the Andy Dalton era? That I, oh, I do. I yeah. do. Um, so Jake, Jeff Driscoll. Jake Driscoll or Jeff Driscoll? Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. Louisiana Tech. That's right. He's going to okay. fade into a bit. Don't worry about Boy didn't have anything. Driscoll. Boy didn't do anything. No. Until Driscoll got in the game. Yeah. So we'll see. But I just thought that in the, at the end of the game when Mayfield, Hugh, Hugh Jackson went to hug Baker Mayfield, and you could see on Hard Knocks that Hugh Jackson had no love really for Baker Mayfield. And of course, you know, in retrospect, he says that the quarterbacks that he had wanted all along were Watson, uh, Wentz, and Mahomes. And uh, of course, right? Of course, those were the quarterbacks you went, you you wanted. Were were Mahomes, Wentz, and uh, Watson? Uh, right. Of course, those were your guys. Well, how, right. come, how come the Browns never took those guys then? How come they pass on them year after year after year? And then they they take Mayfield, and he never let him, let him take first team snaps ever. With ever. The, and he just exposed ever. himself on hard knocks. All right, so we got. 20 minutes left in the show, so let's move on from the Hugh Jackson Bowl. Anyway, be tough to see him getting another job. I don't. Th- I, yeah, he's going back to college. All right, D2. so the Giants at Philadelphia. D2. This, D2. This was the Giants, uh, the Giants at Philadelphia. This was the elimination game between the two. The loser of this game was sure to be absolutely completely finished for the season. The mm-hmm. Giants storm out to a big lead. Saquon Barkley has a huge first half and then only gets five touches in the second half. Um, it, and then the Eagles are missing. Eagles are missing starting cornerbacks all over the field. Everyone thinks Odell Beckham's going to have a monster day, and for some reason, they hardly throw to him. Yeah, and he only catches a few passes. And he says after the game, we should have attacked our secondary, but that wasn't part of the game plan. I don't know why. So the Philadelphia Eagles end up winning the game, 25-22. They come back and they save their season. They are still alive. I'll granted they don't look good. The Giants' season is officially over at three and eight, most likely. I feel like this is another one of those cases of coaches trying to get too cute in their leg. I know that you know that we know. Just and keep it just Barkley. Right, exactly. It and was it, working. Yeah, he was I running all over him. I don't get it. I mean, he was just shitting all over that. All I mean, over him. He was not getting touched in the first half until about the four or five yard line. The yard before contact, I believe, was like three point nine, which was insane. And when that kid gets ahead of steam, there's four, no way stopping it. Yeah, absolutely. Four, four, no one's catching. He is him. a beast. So that's that with that game. There's going to be a big game when the when Philly goes to Dallas in a couple weeks. So I look forward to that one. Um, we also had the Patriots at the Jets. That's usually a pretty close game when the Patriots have to go to the Jets, and it, it was closer than the final score indicated yesterday, twenty-seven to thirteen. 
all week long. We're seeing him. Brady's sick. Brady's got a knee injury. Didn't practice. This and that. Brady's in decline. I saw on Sunday morning, morning countdown how Brady has really sucked this year. I tell you, if there's 27 or 28 other teams in the NFL that would love to have the problems that the Patriots have, right. eight and three in first place in the division, and Tom Brady. And guess who's the number two seed again now? And they beat their number one seed early in this year, Kansas can City. I, can I tell you something? What? I had a dream today that my ex-girlfriend called me to tell me that Tom Brady died. <laughs> <laughs> yes! That's going to be that's, the head of the show. It's just you getting ready for the match that's that's coming. That's going to be the head of the show when you label our Girlfriend show. Girlfriend Tom Brady, Brady died. died. No, no, no. Oh, my God. Ex-girlfriend. Yes. All Needless to say, it was a strange dream, but I immediately woke up and, like, good <laughs> Tom Brady. It was like, what the fuck is this coming from? Oh, so yeah, the talk of the Patriots and Tom Brady's demise are just <coughs> so unwarranted, just and it's so ridiculous, and yes, the stats aren't as good, I get it, but guess what, they're still they're where still they want to be, they're, they're still, still winning. winning, they're still where 90% of the league plus would want to be this time of year. You know, and they're going to game plan when, it, when it's time to game plan, they're going to adjust when it's time to adjust, I don't feed into that anymore, I could sit here and be like, you, you gotta be worried, you gotta be worried, you gotta be worried. I don't worry. How do you worry? You don't, don't have to worry. Now that Gronkowski's back, the yeah. offense didn't look like it should, but it definitely looked no. good because you have Edelman... Gronkowski, Josh Gordon snatching balls all over the place. And the show running like he was yesterday. I mean, he looked looked good. good. He looked really good. Yeah, I'm not that worried. That little, that little uh, inside the red zone um, with Edelman for the touchdown was just that, like that drive that showed me like they're they're hungry. They're you know they're they're gonna be all right. I you know next Sunday night's game is gonna be a good one against Minnesota at home. I think Minnesota will give them a good game, but we'll get into that later in the picks. Yeah, moving on. The next game after that was San Francisco at Tampa Bay. This was the highest over under the week. A lot of people expected Nick Mullins to have a big day, and he did not. not he disappointed. Not at all. Tampa Bay wins twenty seven to nine. Jameis Winston with a big day. Um, I, think I don't know. I don't have much on this game besides whatever. Neither of these te- neither of these teams are relevant to be talking at this point and heading into week thir- thirteen. So and I, Mull- I don't have much. To Mullins say. fell off Twitter again. He's not relevant anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next game was a big one, and, and it was uh, impactful, and it will have be impactful for the playoff playoff races. Seattle went into Carolina. Carolina was five and zero at home, and Seattle won thirty to twenty seven. That Fuck was the a, Panthers, a huge win, a huge win. And this game likely will the playoffs for number five or six will come down to a tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. So Seattle winning this game is huge. Huge. So. I'll tell you, North Turner and Christian McCaffrey, though, they are something else. Because McCaffrey had a monster game yesterday. He's and good. if you didn't have him in DFS, I don't know how you won any money. I certainly didn't have him this week, unfortunately. Yeah. But, but give it at up this for... point, C-Max just like a lock and load play for me. you got to play him. He that, catches so many balls. I love Russell Wilson's performance in this game. 339 yards, two TDs. The guy was all over the place. But it's their offensive role. line that's the catalyst. Because yeah. now that they're off, they had struggled with the offensive line for years in Seattle. And now they're finally good. And they're running the ball better than they've ever run it in the Russell Wilson era. So that allows Russell Wilson to not have to save to save the team for the entire game. Now he can just play within the offense and then the fourth quarter right. when you need him. I think, they, and I think they find something in Chris Carson. I think they, they got a back that they can trust that's going to hold on to the football. Even Mike Davis yards. and, and Rashard Penny have been yeah. good too. All right, so we got to kind of move along. Can't, I mean, I think that Carolina will bounce back, but they're struggling. They've lost three in a row. But they're coming up at Tampa Bay this week, so hopefully they'll get things back on track. 
The next game, we had Oakland at Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's second career start. Baltimore won 34-17. to We had the new backfield with Lamar Jackson and, and uh, rookie running back Gus Edwards running the show. And now they are 2-0, and they are 6-5. and And Baltimore seems to look like they're on the come up. And, of course, they have the number one defense in the NFL. So... It's a different offense for them to, you know, unleash this late in the season for the Ravens with, with Jackson's ability to run. It, it keeps linebackers honest. It, it creates more one-on-one at matchups. I just still don't like his delivery and how he throws. I think he's going to short arm a few passes down the road. Well, for, he gets underneath the ball. We discussed yeah. that last week. He had yeah. a couple interceptions, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, and I just think that he's going to have some key interceptions in some key games. Coming some throws look good, though. Something like the touchdown of Crabtree looked good, you know. So, but it's that it's that it's, si- it's that it's that sidestep. It's like when he, if, if if he does a three step drop long and goes for it, like, yeah, it's a long. Yeah. You know how guy quarterbacks like Brady have that that quick release. You're gonna find as a defensive coordinator, you're gonna find tendencies in this kid because he's shining a, a light on him right now. That if a defensive coordinator and defensive backs do their home, homework, but it's exciting for scheme. the NFL though because it is. if you going forward, if Baltimore's gonna make the playoffs. Who would you rather have on Baltimore in the playoffs for you as a fan watching the game? Flacco or Lamar Jackson? I think Lamar because Lamar, you can scheme yeah. around him because he can run. I mean, it's yeah. going to be different. And I, no, as a Steelers fan, you don't really want anything to right. do with Baltimore. And I think with, it's exciting. With, I think it's, with him, um, you can scheme differently late in the season. You can, you can attack you know, uh, opposing defenses in a different way, and it's going to help them out in the long run. So if they go two playoff series deep, what happens next season? <laughs> yeah. Flacco. All right. So the next game we had the Chargers forty-five to ten over the hapless Arizona Cardinals. In this game, not much to talk about except for Philip Rivers started the game twenty-five for twenty-five, setting a new NFL record for Crazy. consecutive completions by a quarterback, and he did finish the game twenty-eight of twenty-nine. Throwing, which is pretty incredible. That's, that's crazy. The, but Anthony Lynn made a big mistake because Melvin Gordon went into this game with an injured knee, and in the and they were blowing him out late in the game, and Gordon was still in there, and then he gets hit awkwardly on a reverse, and he sprains his MCL, and now he's week to week, and he's likely out for the huge game next week at the Steelers. So that was a stupid mistake so by coach by mm-hmm. coach Anthony Lynn. Stupid mistake. Smart move. <laughs> Next game after that was Miami at Indianapolis. I think Miami gave Indianapolis a better game than most thought, but Andrew Luck does continue his streak of throwing three three touchdown passes or more in a game for the eighth straight game. And like we've been saying all year long, the teams that we've been on in this show and we've told you about since early on are Indianapolis Colts and the Bears are both teams that are, have been on the rise, and they stick to, stick to that. And they are both proven to be two pretty good teams, possibly headed for the playoffs. Um, the next game after that was Pittsburgh at Denver, and this was a tough spot. And we, we told you last week that when we saw the line at Denver minus th- or Pittsburgh minus three at Denver, like there was it. something up. Yeah. And we told you to go with Denver, and of course Denver ends up winning twenty-four to seventeen. Nesta, what you say? You said you're going right. with Denver, so I went with the Steelers. I'm trying to gain on you in the freaking picks. So this was a classic example of beating yourself. Uh, we left a lot of points on the board. If if you count everything all together that we sort of left out there, if you're if you're counting um, the overthrown balls to receivers that were completely empty, we we were blowing their secondary apart. But is it a good ben, case of Ben on the road again? Ben Ben on the road. Also, James Washington decided to dive for a ball that he should have just ran under. 
you know, so who knows? But Pittsburgh 30, has always struggled at Denver. 34 points we left on the board if you count it all up. And this is what I want to get back to but with the Tim, D- Tim Tebow thing I mentioned earlier. This, Pittsburgh has always struggled at Denver, not unlike many other teams. Right. Most teams struggle at Denver. But going back well, to the Tim altitude, Tebow won a playoff but... game. Against yes. the Steelers team. A Steelers, heavily favored Steelers team years ago. Oh, I remember. And, of course, Emmanuel Sanders had a big day with a touchdown, and he always relishes playing against the Steelers as one yeah. team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had 500 yards of total offense, Johnny. We should have won that Ten game. more minutes of offensive possession, too. Yeah, I mean, it was Connor it was absolutely insane. Fumble. Well, Connor had a big fumble. I, I'm more concerned with the, with the Xavier Grimble fumble. He's... Wide open, but Connor, you need to hold the ball. No, of he, course. You, so when it gets and to that, playoff time, that, guys like Connor are going to get the ball, and you need him to hold the ball. Right. Guys like Xavier Grimble, maybe he's not going to get the ball. So that's just that's just a, a bad play from a guy who should know better, though. He he has all he has to do is make a cut upfield to like roll into the end zone, and he decides he wants to teach this safety a lesson, play physical football. And let him fucking have it, and he fumbles it out of out of the end zone. Lesson learned. So 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 I want to I want to be. I I I listened to this game because I was driving back from Pittsburgh, and any I don't know how often that you you listen to the game. No, I would like to, but I don't get to very often just because of today's world. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I will. I will. If it wasn't literally the only safe way that I could um, consume the game, so to speak, you know, like uh, I would. I absolutely. I really enjoy listening to hockey. Do they not paint really, a good enough picture? Or? Well, it, there's just you Are can't. Too negative. No, no. I was able to listen. Thankfully, I was able to listen to the Steelers broadcast this time. It's just there's so much you. There's only so much you can say. Right. You can only describe what the ball's doing. And there's 22 guys on the field, and it's, and it's difficult to get a full picture of what's happening. So when I was listening to this game, I was pissed. I was pissed the whole, the whole ride. My poor girlfriend had to endure my bullshit in the car, punching the steering wheel and, and being mad. Um, she's, she's an absolute angel for dealing with that. <laughs> but... Then I got home and I listened to the analysis and I listened to, um, I listened, I really, I watched the, the highlights on YouTube and kind of like got a, got a better sense for how the game actually went. And it was just one of those games where, you know, in, in hockey, we have a phrase that, you know, sometimes the bounces don't go your way. You know, it's like scheduled loss. Well, not a scheduled, <laughs> not a not a scheduled loss. We got a scheduled loss. Can coming. you really say the balances didn't go your way? Because there's potential to have six turnovers, not four, that game. There was four fumbles lost, two gained. Well, a bunch of those fumbles were uh, were just Switzer bobbling it, bobbling the kickoff. But still, be efficient. This is the time no, of year exactly. to be efficient. Like they exactly. Won. But this was a. I feel like they have a big game next week on 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 Sunday Night Football. And this was just a, a game where they Are you were calling set up to schedule lose. loss for I, him. No, I'm not calling it. No, a I'm, game. I'm asking. Him, I'm asking John. It doesn't matter. The game didn't matter. That's what I said to you earlier. The game didn't matter. The well, game. What is matters, the number two man. seed in the AFC is going to come down to December 16th when the Patriots go to the Steelers, and the Steelers winning or losing yesterday had no bearing on that whatsoever. So it right. really didn't matter. And if you're a player, you know that it does. It does take us out of the bye. Right. But anyways, no, it doesn't so, take you out of the bye. 
it, no, in the seating right now. But if right. you beat the Patriots, yesterday, yesterday's game means nothing, regardless. Right. Whether you won or lost. So it's all going to come down to that Patriots game no matter what. Yeah. Honest, honestly, I don't want that by. You know how I feel about the, the Steelers on long rest. Oh, totally. What's our time so, looking like here? Uh, we're good. So, <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Steelers football, shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it was just one of those things. We got all day. Steelers football. It was, yeah. it was one of those things where... where Scheduled extension. We were, we were absolutely playing better defense than we have been in a long time. And we were getting timely three and outs. Uh, started the game with a nice three and out. And, and really, it was all just about leaving points on the field. And um, I got I got to throw one out to Chris Boswell. Uh, shout out to Chris Boswell for that touchdown. Uh, fourth down conversion off a of fake, uh, 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 fake field goal at to left tackle Alejandro Villanueva, who had one of the best celebrations I've seen this season. Um, he just ran it straight to the ref, handed it to him, and uh, bear-hugged his teammates. So good on them for that. Um, <laughs> my boy Juju Smith-Schuster, 13 receptions for 189 yards and, and one touchdown. 97 uh, yard touchdown. 97 yards, baby. Future of the Steelers. Hon- honestly, I, he is he is he's the number one back, and I've been saying this for weeks now. Receiver? Or excuse me, yeah, number one receiver, Austin. and I've been saying I've been saying this for weeks now. Like Brown at this point is a possession receiver, and he's getting a little bit up there in age. He had nine receptions for sixty-seven yards. Doesn't Antonio Brown have a touchdown in eight straight games? He doesn't have a touchdown in this game. But he did before this. Before that, he yeah. did. Yeah. But no, 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 you're you're just quick to dismiss Antonio Brown. I you've got some negative. He's, he's just you know. It, well, he's a, number one. He's a jerk. <laughs> like I said, you have some feelings towards it. And and uh, point proven. <laughs> was that an argument right there? He just came in really quick. <laughs> but Ju- Juju's been been I, and granted, Brown, he just, Brown's likes, getting the number one attention. Everyone likes the fresh. Okay, put it this way. Antonio Brown still gets the respect. He gets the double teams. Juju is, ta- is, is doing his Juju job. Juju is getting the he, double teams in this game too. Okay, that was that was their their scheme was was double team eighty four and nineteen and let the chips fall where it may everywhere else. Which also really upset me that we didn't see Vance McDonald getting more. I thought throws. he was going to have a monster game against. So the did Seahawks, I because honestly because because he is also a great they had receiving a, tight and I thought there was going to be open. open they on had fits with. Um, the receivers and the, or excuse me, with the tight ends in the last game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where where they fell off with that right there. I mean, if the Broncos just did their job, I didn't watch much of the game, or if they just didn't scheme right around McDonald. But he, I, he, he's got he's got great upside. I, I mean, like his future. It's easy to it's easy to blame Ben for this too because he had that. Huge inter- those two huge interceptions, but he was forty one for fifty six for four hundred and sixty two yards. Like he's playing well. We just we just yeah. But when you're a Hall of Fame quarterback, you don't make that throw at the end of the game that he made. Oh. That was bad. That was on the road. So it was so bad. At the end of the game, I don't know why they didn't why they didn't just just give it to Rosie Nix and pump it up the middle. Like fuck. <laughs> I was I was I was in the car like. Grinding the leather off my steering wheel, just screaming after they, you know, they threw it on first down, you know, and then Tunchilkin's talking about how 
and Bill Hillgrove are talking about how, um, you know, James Conner had the walk-in. I was like, guys, we are two yards away. Can we please just run the fucking ball? Steelers football. Up the middle. What happened to that? I don't know. Well, they got a big game coming next week, so I'm sure they'll bounce back. So last night's game, Sunday Night Football Game of the Week this week, was Green Bay at Minnesota. Minnesota won 24-17. I didn't catch the excuse train today, but did you guys hear what the excuses for Aaron Rodgers were today about why he didn't win, why they didn't win this game? Is it the coach not being good enough? Is it the players letting him down? What were the excuses for Aaron Rodgers not beating Minnesota last night? Didn't listen. He kept getting fucking tackled. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Something. How about Aaron Rodgers didn't play very well? Only threw 28 times. All right. You think about two premier quarterbacks going at each other. You think you're going to, like, with with Cousins and him, like, Cousins threw for 38. He threw I, – I just thought he was going to air it out more. I didn't know exactly what the, the uh, you know, the play scheme for the Packers was. Well, Minnesota's a tough team to run on. They always have they their, are. their defense. But are you really going to, you know, rely on Aaron Jones' 17 attempts rushing to be your guy to carry that offense? No, Minnesota's a tough team to run on. That's why I'm saying I would expect Rodgers to pass more. Okay. Too. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I I kind of felt that game, even though I picked Green Bay, because I knew you were probably going to go with Minnesota. Yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to counter you right now. But I, Green I, Bay's I, not a good team. No, they're not. They're, they got a lot of problems to deal with, for sure. And you're, I just... You know, Devontae Adams is your premier receiver. That's just not good. And Aaron Rodgers isn't the best quarterback of all time to save a team that's not a very good team. So, All right. Well, Johnny, let's just run into, with that being said, let's just run into next week's picks. we got seven minutes. We can fly into that. Okay. Um, I got, uh, well, let's start Thursday night, 8-20 game. Saints rolling into Cowboys. I got the, I got the uh, Saints, seven, seven, plus seven, seven and a half. half for the Cowboys. So Saints 10-1, Cowboys are 6-5. and five. Saints 7.5 point favorites. I'm going with the Cowboys plus 7.5 here. Okay. Uh, rolling into Sunday, 1 p.m. game. We've got the Baltimore Ravens, the new offense, rolling into the Falcons, who are struggling even at home. They are plus two and a half. Hmm. It's a tricky one because Atlanta gives it up to receiving running backs, but Baltimore doesn't throw to their running backs. Um, Big game for the Ravens, too. I would think that most people are going to take Baltimore in this game. This seems like a tease to me. I'm going to go Atlanta okay. plus one here. All right. And we got uh, the Bills, AFC uh, powerhouses matchup going into the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins minus five and a half going into that game. Josh Allen and the I like Bills. Josh Allen, man. I, I do too. Um, but Tannehill's back. Miami is always a tough place to play. Division game. Um, make a pick here. Um, Miami minus five. Yes, I'm going to go Miami minus five. All right. And uh, the lowly Cardinals. Who knows what the hell they're going to bring going into Green Bay. Green Bay, tough at home, but we're talking about a line of minus 14 and a half against right. the Packers. Okay, so every, at this point, everybody knows that Green Bay is a bad team, right? Yep. Everyone has lost their shirt betting on Green Bay all year long because they just never cover. So for the line to be 15 at home against Arizona means that they're going to blow them out. Take Green Bay minus the 15 points. All right. You're talking about a dome team going into you know, Lambeau. Field. One o'clock game. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, going now, we've got a, a must win, I feel, for the Panthers. Rolling to the Buccaneers. Buccaneers plus three and a half. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, I liked what Greg Olson and the Panthers players all had to say after they lost 
the game to Seattle yesterday. So I think the Carolina gets their stuff back on track um, and gets their playoff picture and their picture in their season back on track. So I'm going to lay Carolina minus three and a half on the road at Tampa. All right. Also at 1 p.m. we have the Bron- Broncos hot off their uh, spectacular win against <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just because they lost the Steelers is spectacular. Fair enough. No, it was spectacular for them. Let the show go on. (laughs) (laughs) Now finish calling and announcing the game. And then uh, at the Bengals, uh, plus three and a half. Okay, in fairness to Denver, they are now five and six with back-to-back wins, one at the Chargers Mm -hmm. and now over Pittsburgh. Okay, Denver is playing well. Keenum's playing better. It's better than you would think. Okay, so they're five and six at Cincinnati, five and six. I think, you know, we know that Andy Dalton is out of this game. We don't know about A.J. Green. I'm going to go Denver minus three and a half here. I'm right. laying the points. I'm going with Denver. I think Denver's got feeling something. Like Von Miller said, we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, he did. Jesus. He was pulling did off he... Belichick. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So well, I like Denver, and I like where they're headed. Their schedule right. is soft to finish the year. They could make a late push, so we'll see. Okay. We have the L.A. Rams heading into Detroit to face the Lions plus nine and a half. I think that the Just Rams, nine and a half. That's... the Rams are going to be. I think that they were rewarded by the with their big win last Monday night with days off to get some rest, and I think they're going to come into this game a little bit rusty. The Lions at home know that they're going to have to be ready, otherwise they're going to get embarrassed at home. So I'm going to take the bet that probably nobody will take here: Detroit at home plus ten and a half. The over under for that game's uh, fifty four and a half. What do you got for that? Over right? Hammer the over. I don't know because. What does Detroit do with that? If they yeah, can? I don't know how they get there. I, I think w- the Rams are going to be a little rusty. They're young. Yeah, they're young and they're coming off rest. <laughs> I think they're going to be rusty. I think McVay gave them time off. Game. I think I touch. I wouldn't touch the over and under on that. I'd go under. Yeah, because it's a tease too. You would you would want to say over. Yeah, fair enough. But like we always say, Vegas doesn't give away money. So uh, Rams at Texans minus four and a half. Rams or excuse no, me, no. Browns. Browns. Okay. Browns and Texans. You're confusing me there. Okay, so yeah. That's your poster boy. How do you not know where he's going next week? <laughs> You're following him on Twitter, aren't you? <laughs> All right, so this is a little bit of a letdown spot for Cleveland after winning their Hugh Jackson Super Bowl last week. Uh, Houston is playing like a team possessed right now. After tonight, they'll have won eight games in a row. They'll be eight and three. They're playing really well at home, so I'm going to lay the points. Houston minus four and a half here. We'll leave Texans Baker are up. Leave Texans are up seventeen right now. Too, yeah, remember. yeah, they're steamrolling now. Uh, we got the Colts heading into uh, Jacksonville plus three and a half. Jacksonville without Fournette, a benched Blake Bortles, Cody Kessler must win for uh, the Colts. The Colts just keep on clicking and they keep on winning, and Andrew Luck keeps on throwing three touchdown passes. So I'm going Colts minus four. All right. We got the Chicago Bears rolling into the Giants. Giants are pretty much out of it at this point. They're plus four. Do they keep rolling with their offense? Do they lay down? What do you have right here? See, I didn't see a line. Like my my guess is because we don't know if Trubisky's in or out on right. this game. It's probably yeah. gonna change quite a bit. So right. if you're listening, keep your eye on this. It will change. We quite know. A although bit. we did say that Chase Daniel does know the offense well, but he definitely isn't as talented. Um, oh, man. This is a tricky one, but I didn't like Odell Beckham's comments at the end of the game. Um, I feel like the Giants needed to win last week to save their season, and they didn't, and the way they lost was not good. So I feel like effort will be lacking, and the Bears, 
We've liked them all year. Let's keep riding the Bears. All right. Then you got the New York Jets rolling into Tennessee. Tennessee losing right now to the Texans. This is a wild card issue coming in for them this week. They are at home against the Jets. They are minus nine and a half at this point. Yeah, I have. I see ten and a half actually. Um, okay. And I don't think it should be that high. So this is a tough one. Another thing, anything can happen. Second half of football going on right now as we're talking about this. So keep an eye on this line. Right. Yeah. I would go Tennessee minus ten and a half because I don't think Tennessee deserves to be that big of a favorite over anyone. So I think that this is telling me that the Jets are going to give a less than stellar effort and the Titans are going to need this game badly after losing tonight. So I'm going to go Tennessee minus ten and a half. All right. My bookie's got it at thirteen and a half right now. Mybookie.com. Okay. Wow. I'm going off CBSSports.com. So 13 and a half. That's I would just That's keep wild. going Tennessee. Keep yeah. going Tennessee. Because normally I would expect this game to be around 7 and a half. Yeah. Okay. Something's up. Kansas City Chiefs rolling into Oakland. Uh, you know, anything can happen between these two teams. Chiefs rolling off a loss against the Rams. Raiders, you know, 14 and a half I'm showing right now on the line. Uh, that the Chiefs have to cover. Your thoughts, Johnny? Somebody told me a year, many, many years ago. Always take Andy Reid's teams off a bye, and you will do well. Okay. So I'm going to go Chiefs minus 15 and a half. Oh, they're not at 1 o'clock, because I know that's your other thing, taking an Andy Reid team at 1 o'clock. No, that's Bengals. Bengals. Bengals, Bengals, Bengals right. Bengals. Usually. All the, right. I'm done with the Bengals, though, for this year. After that, after Sunday's bad loss, I, you got to back away from the Bengals. 425 game. You got the San Francisco 49ers uh, rolling into Seattle after the win of Carolina. Wilson playing well right now. Running game coming together. How do you see that? They are minus 10 at home. These teams don't like each other and they play each other hard. They are rivals. I go San Francisco plus 11 here. All right. I take the picks that people don't expect me to take. It's like, who's going to bet San Francisco there? Not other people. You think I'm going to argue against you? Like yeah. seeing what, what you're doing right oh, now? You're just pick absolutely moves? spanking us in the pick Oh, my God. It is. If you put me and Marty's scores together, I'm still not sure we can I know this you. is flu season, but my throat doesn't hurt from a cold. I'm just sucking the major D right now. <laughs> I'm a fucking defense. <laughs> <laughs> So we have uh, Minnesota heading into New England. Uh, New England's favorite at five and a half. Yeah, and I actually see them at seven right now. I like Minnesota plus the points. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Minnesota's style is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard for the Patriots. I think the Patriots pull it out, but I don't think it's going to be easy. What's the over and under on this one right now? Where are you showing right now? 48 and a half. I'd take the over on that. Absolutely. Easily. Yeah. And with Dalvin Cook back, Dalvin Cook looked good last night. He's good. So if you get Cook and those two outside receivers, I think Minnesota could cause some serious problems for the Patriots. Fair enough. And flexed into the Monday night spot. Sunday night. Or excuse me, Sunday night spot. We have uh, Chargers at the Steelers. I'm showing a three and a half line. I I like the Steelers minus three and a half in the bounce back spot. Oh, yeah. Chargers without Melvin Gordon. They do have Austin Eckler, who's a nice replacement. But he's still not Melvin Gordon. And, um, you know, a lot of people like the Chargers as a team. But I suspect that they are soft in on the core, like in the you know to the to the to the core Between of the, the team. Numbers. I just feel like I suspect that they're a little bit soft, and I feel like Pittsburgh. This is a bounce back spot. It's a big game for them on Sunday night, like they just destroyed the Panthers on that Thursday night game a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I have a similar feeling they might do something along those lines. To Anybody the want to take a prop bet with me right here on this game? 
What's that? What do you like to charge? To- no, 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 no. I'm just talking about. I'm thinking 76 pass attempts between both quarterbacks at this point. Ooh, I'd take the over on that. I would go with the under because so I'm taking the over. 76. So 76 is 38. Mm, I think Rivers doesn't throw the ball that much usually. I would I'm go t- under. I would okay. go under 76. That's what I think with that Gordon gone away. I'm just thinking like he's going to be slinging. He's going to have to. Yeah. Gonna have All right. To you heard it here. John's taking the under 76 and a half or 75 and a half? 76 and a half. Cool. All right. All right. And then uh, we got the Monday night game. The Skins at the Eagles minus six and a half. Man, the Eagles should be favored by six and a half over anyone. But Colt McCoy... Redskins heading down. Oh, man, I don't like this game. I don't want to take the Eagles laying that many points. But I'm going to. I'm hoping for a tie. I'm going to. I'm going <laughs> to. I'll lay the points. Go with the Eagles. So so if the Eagles win this game, guys, they'll be 6-6. Six and six. I know. Washington will be 6-6. Six and six. And if the Cowboys lose to the Saints, which is likely, they'll be 6-6. Six and six And we'll have a three-way tie. That's crazy. And 6-6 six six in the NFC East. And that's the, that's the thing with me. I don't know how much time we have left. Is like when you're rolling into that, and there's belief, and there's things. Oh god, this just scares me as a Cowboys fan. Like you just don't want to be in this position. So and much, so much going to happen. Week. This is going to be a circus of a fucking division going down. So the then line. the following week, with all three teams six and six, you're going to yeah. have Philly go to Dallas the week after that. Yeah, absolutely. On Sunday, I think it's a Sunday night game or Monday night game. Yeah. And then the but the only the one good thing I have after that it's after they go into the Cowboys they go Rams Texas Redskins yeah hallelujah so <laughs> you know th- this week's slate on the whole again is pretty crappy I don't love it um you know I missed week eleven I, I'm hopefully we get a, a similar week eleven slate coming up soon because right we just keep getting these these Sunday slates with all this garbage or good team against bad team good team against bad team right all over the place or two bad teams against each other and what scares me about Washington because they do pull that out against the Eagles they go Giants Jaguars Titans back to Eagles and if Eagles are out of at that point they will just lay down at the end of the season yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for that division for sure all right, boys. Well, we should definitely wrap it up for tonight. Um, you want to make sure that you um, invest your entire life savings into all of the picks John just gave you. Do make sure to check in on our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter uh, at Green Mountain Sports for all of those things. Uh, and, and be sure to direct any um grievances you have to <laughs> at Green Mountain Grinder. That's Green MT Grinder uh, on Twitter and let John I know. do love to talk football, so let nope. let John know how bad he uh, he fucked you and how mad your wife is. Yeah. You spent your life savings yeah, on tune, these tune in by week fourteen, we'll give a physical address. All that extra holiday cash. Well, thank you so much for for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on Podbean. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Green Mountain Sports. Follow Johnny at Green Mountain Grinder on Twitter. Boys, I think we got another good one in the books. Absolutely. All right. Take it easy.